learning, markets, and good times. TheCooperageProject.org And from listeners like you. Live from Radio Catskill Studios in Liberty, New York, this is special election night coverage on the local edition. I'm Jason Dole, and joining me is Patricio Rabio. Hello, Patricio. Hello. Hello. Welcome to your Friday. This is just less than just an hour and a half left for voting in Pennsylvania, where the polls close at 8 tonight. And in New York, polls close at 9. Uh, coming up tonight, we'll be checking in with news partners from across the Hudson Valley for the latest news and information to keep you connected this election night. We'll talk live from with reporters from the Sullivan County Democrat, the River Reporter, Times Union, and the Swankunk Journal, and more as the night goes on. And we'll be talking to them about the issues on voters' minds, as well as key local, regional, and state races. And those races include in uh, races in New York's 17th, 18th, and 19th congressional districts, Pennsylvania's 8th congressional district, uh, New York State Assembly's 100th and 101st districts, New York State Senate 51st district, and of course the Ulster County Executive race. And then there are races impacting local listeners that people around the country are also keeping an eye on tonight, including the super close senatorial race between Oz and Fetterman in Pennsylvania, and the much less close but still closer than you thought it was going to be race for governor between Hochul and Zeldin in New York. But let's uh, start now with our first guest. We have managing editor for the Sullivan County Democrat, Joseph Abraham, on the phone. Joe, thank you for joining us tonight. No problem. Thanks for doing what you guys do. Well, thanks for doing what you do. Have you, have you had a, a, a busy and productive election day? You Have you been out and about? Yeah, well, one would make the joke that, you know, the rest of my day was just like starting with breakfast because we're going to have a late night here. And uh, this is like we're halfway through the workday, essentially. But, yes, the first half was there. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to sort of mention is uh, it seems like turnout's crazy. Um, you know, uh, I have uh, lots of reports from around the county. I have a friend in Tustin who said, you know, it's a 45-minute wait just to vote uh, after work. Uh, Bethel Duggan Center was packed around noon today. Uh, so I had someone in Mammocating call our office and say that was packed around, you know, two or three this afternoon. So, uh, it seems like, uh, there's quite a big turnout for these elections. Yeah, that's exactly where I wanted to start too. I've been hearing some of that anecdotally. Were you at any of the polling places? Did you see signs of that level of busyness yourself? So I voted first thing this morning in Liberty. I want to think I noticed this year, and I don't know if that's true about all polling places, is uh, it seemed like they consolidated the lines to some degree. So in the past, being a voter in Liberty, there'd be a few tables that would be separated by a number of districts that you resided in. But today, there were, they had two lines set up. Uh, so it was a pretty uh, decent crowd, I would say, for a morning. I think by the time I cast my vote around 7.45 a.m., I think there had already been 150 155 votes that had been uh, cast in Liberty at that point. So, and that was at the firehouse. So, then uh, in the past, uh, do you think that's more than you know? This is usually the the big ones are the presidential election years, and this is a midterm election. Are you were you sort of surprised that there were this many people coming out to vote? I wasn't surprised that there was that many people 
um, coming out to vote because, uh, as you stated, I mean, I think that people tend to be more engaged on midterms and the you know presidential election years than they are in the um, – not that I, I would argue t- and some would argue that town races are just as important as uh, that because it impacts your community. But it doesn't seem like the turnout's always that high. Like last November, I could have swore when I went around the same time of day to vote that I was like voter number 60 or 70. So it looked like it was almost double the amount of votes cast in the first two hours of the day. Um, that's my informal poll, but that's just based on what I saw because I always like to take a look at the voting machines and see what number I am you know, as I vote. So, well, we were, I was kind of hearing this, uh, via text from, from various folks. And then the first person I talked to in person that was reporting on some of this from their own experience, uh, was our own Janice Adams, who hosts the Janice Adams show reported that her, uh, her polling place over in, in Calicoon was, was pretty well, uh, busy there so much so that she actually took a break, but we actually uh, recorded those comments. We'll be getting that at some point. So we got a kind of a, uh, what do you call it? An eyewitness report right. on, on what that's <laughs> actually like out there. So, um, so Joe, were you able to talk to anybody about why they're at the polls? What, what it is that's driving them to go out in such a turnout in such numbers? Yeah, I haven't had direct conversations today with folks, but I think what we started to see recently with the New York 19 primaries. Uh, or the special election, I should say, recently in that. And what I'm seeing from people on Facebook uh, is a lot of folks in, in the wake of the Supreme Court ruling on Roe v. Wade has really driven, I think, a lot of people to the polls. I mean, you see a lot of row, row, row your vote, uh, you know, signs up. And, and I think that that's having a big role into sort of what we're seeing um, and, and and sort of what's going on. So. Yeah, I hadn't seen anyone today as far as talking to them, but I know that that's been a big push in the past, and I I think that... And I've also wondered, too, and I I don't know this to be true or whatnot, but this is the first big election post-pandemic that we've had. Um, And so I'm curious if, you know, we talked about all the people that relocated to the Catskills during that time, as full-time people. I'm also curious if any of that plays playing any role into the turnout or the the things we're seeing, because these folks might have decided now to change their voting addresses to, you know, appear instead of in the city where they might have owned a home previously. Right, that the population so that, has has increased since the pandemic started. Like old people yeah, from the city moving up here. Might, so yeah, yeah. So that was just a thought, you know, I had today. But I, uh, but yeah, I think the Roe v. Wade thing is a big thing, especially you know driving people to maybe want to put in, um, you know, their, their two cents and their vote for especially the New York 19 race, because obviously, you know, who controls the the house in Washington is going to have some effect on things. So, Right. And let's talk about the New York 19. The outcome of this race will affect the bipartisan balance of the U S house of representatives in the 118th Congress. All 435 House districts are up for election. And this was sort of a um, a very confusing, I guess, primary. We had the redrawn lines of the New York 19th and New York 18th. Currently, uh, Josh Riley is running for the New York 19th. But the, currently, the uh, current congressman, congressman is, is Pat Ryan, who's now running for the New York 18th congressional district. And that, that was the reason why we actually, beginning, we were sort of surprised that a lot of people are turning out. Not surprised, but uh, uh, curious as why people are turning up. Uh, I think just because it, I would think there will be some kind of election, I guess, fatigue already since we had a special election already here just just not too long ago in August. Yeah, you know, 
I don't, I don't see it that way in certain senses. I mean, I understand where you're kind of coming from there. I mean, you know, I would say there's fatigue from the amount of mailers we're receiving, but other than that, <laughs> uh, you know, going to the polls, I mean, I think that this, like I said, I think these Supreme Court decisions for a lot of people has uh, lit a fire uh, in, in folks to want to uh, to get involved uh, or, or to, to go. And I think that, uh, you know, we saw a lot of uh, demonstrations afterwards for a number of days. So, uh, so I don't know. That, that's, that's my sort of thought on it. But, yeah, it's a big race, New York 19, the um, balance of power. It's an interesting race, and I'm curious to see how it's going to go because in the special election, Molinaro sort of, it seemed, was going to be the favorite, right? This guy uh, has a lot of, uh, was getting a lot of publicity. Um, you know, he's on Fox News, which is a national TV outlet. Uh, you know, a lot of, he was sort of, uh, pushing or, or raising, uh, I think, to this point for a while. So he was sort of on a trajectory. Uh, and Pat Ryan, who is uh, an exceptionally well-known candidate locally, I mean, he ran for New York 19 when I first moved up here a few years back when they had, uh, when I think, uh, you know, Delgado before he had won and everything like that. So it's, uh, you know, he's a well-known commodity. And I, and I think that that was played a big role in uh, addition to the Supreme Court cases and that ruling and sort of pushing him over Molinaro, which some consider to some degree an upset. But what I'm curious about in this race is is that Josh Riley, uh, while I think probably has a lot of similar viewpoints as Pat Ryan, not just because of party, uh, you know, if he's going to uh, fare as well, because he's not as well known in the, you know, up in this part, because this is an extremely large district. I mean, just to put yeah. it out there for folks, you know, Jamie Cheney, who, um, you know, primaried against Riley, lived in almost Columbia County near Albany. Yeah. And Josh lives in Ithaca. So, like, just if you give that a degree. And so I'm curious to see how he's going to fare with voters in Orange, you know, Ulster, uh, you know, in that type of region. Whereas Pat Ryan, because he was Ulster County executive, I feel like also had a lot of cachet locally. So, uh, I'm curious. I don't know how it's going to turn out. It will be interesting, but... Uh, uh, you know, I would, uh, Joe, you know, I was also interested to hear Riley, you know, especially when he came to uh, to the area to talk last week at the, the, the stump uh, uh, with President Clinton was there in Hurleyville and they were doing a get out the vote event. Um, but one of the lines that he, that he pulled out was, you know, saying, well, you know, uh, uh, Mark Molinaro can't even vote in this district. He's not even from this district. And I, I, while it sounded good uh, on the stump stage, I thought, you know, that's kind of a hard point to make an A, such a massively big district. B, uh, when Riley himself is from the edge of the other edge of that district. And then C, when it's a newly drawn district that people around here aren't even used to the shape or scope of yet. Yeah, it's an interesting statement for sure. I don't know all the rules behind it. I don't care to consider myself anywhere near a political yes, expert, but yeah. I heard in some races that because of the redistricting and stuff, that people are able to run and uh, possibly be able to move in a certain time period if, in fact, they wouldn't reside in the district anymore. Um, you know, I think we saw that, you know, Mundare Jones, who was for a brief period of time, the person that was going to be lined up to be our next, I guess, person on the Democratic side running for reelection when they redistricted the first time before it got thrown out, you know, because of how the redistricting ended up falling, 
he ended up going down, I think, to a district somewhere in New York City now that he's running in. So there's certain rules. So, I mean, in theory, even if you're not going to be in the new district, I think there is some type of rule or some type of time period in place where uh, if you win, you might be able to move. So th- there's a lot of gray area there. But, yeah, no, the district's just insane. I mean, I, I don't right. know if there's any better way to do it. I mean, obviously, I think our country is the best form of democracy that one can have out there. But I think even in any system, you know, that's just an insane amount of people to represent. And I'm just not, you know, it, it's right. just I don't know if there's any way they can draw it better. But Well, I think uh, it's incumbent upon us in the press. I've, I've made it a mental note of it myself. I feel like whatever way that this election shakes out, whatever the balance of power is in New York State, we got to stay up on the question of uh, districting, redistricting, and gerrymandering because it's uh, uh, it's not something that you want to see happening in your state, no matter who's in power. But if the Democrats remain in power, I think it's incumbent on us to really uh, kind of hold them to it and find out what is the answer. They like to say that New York State leads the way for the country, so if we could lead the way in figuring out this redistricting issue that so many states struggle with, I mean, I'd be happy as a constituent. <laughs> so, uh, but I feel like us as press, that's something we should follow up on because. It, it really was a mess. It was a total mess. So, um, and it would be great to avoid that in the future. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So, um, we're gonna we're gonna have to go here in a minute, Joe. Is there any final thoughts? Any anything else that you're looking at as we wait for the polls to close? And you're waiting for some results. What are you going to be looking for? Well, I just wanted to shout out to everyone that you know. I, I think that this turnout thing is pretty neat because at the end of the day, no matter what party people are, I'm happy that people are going out and voting. Uh, I think it is going to be an interesting night. Um, as far as looking for, I'm really curious. Though, I just want to sh- mention that there is an interesting local race as well, one that hasn't received a whole lot of coverage, but we do have a three-person mayor race in the village of Woodridge. Uh, so that's something that will be interesting to take a look at in addition to um, some of our bigger national races. But, yeah, I'm just, like I said, to your point, I'm interested in this turnout that we're seeing today. I'm just curious to see what direction it's going to tip the scale. So. All right. Well, uh, Joe, uh, we'll check back in with you at some point. I want to thank you so much for joining us on such a busy night and kicking off our local election coverage. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. You too. Lots thank of coffee. You. Yes. <laughs> Special election coverage here on the local edition. This is an extended edition of the local edition. Uh, We'll be going until 8 o'clock with this full program, checking in with local and regional reporters. Right on up till 8 o'clock when the NPR coverage starts, but we'll still break in as we can into the late night when we start getting some results. Again, we're... uh, The polls in Pennsylvania close at 8 o'clock. The polls in New York State close at 9 o'clock. So uh, voting is still happening in our listening area. Uh, But many people voted before they even got to Election Day today. There's more of an election season these days than just uh, uh, an election day. And we got word from uh, Sullivan County that nearly 3,000 people uh, voted early so uh, early voting started October 29th. It went to this past Sunday. We spoke to Sullivan County Communications Director Dan Hoost about this yesterday. I'm glad to say that 
from what our Board of Elections is telling me, we had a great turnout, possibly one of the highest since we started early voting. In fact, I'd say probably so. We've had over 3,000 people cast an early ballot. That's not including our absentee and affidavit ballots. These are people who actually came to the government center in Monticello starting on October 29th to cast a ballot in person. And I saw lines in the lobby since I work in the government center, and they weren't having to wait long, but the lines were consistent. People were really interested in making sure that their voice was heard uh, in this early voting uh, opportunity. So really excited about that, and people are just feeling very much motivated, enthusiastic, and thankfully, you're taking advantage of the early voting, which is a lot of time and a lot of money that our Board of Elections has to spend on making sure that that one polling place in the government center is available on those days. So when we see the kind of turnout that we've had, it's something that resonates very well inside this building because we feel like, okay, what we're doing matters and the public wants to take advantage of this service. And it's therefore worth the expenditure of both uh, time and, and money. Absolutely. Well, it's the taxpayers' money to begin and end with anyway. So yeah. they're telling us by coming out here that they want this money spent this way. They're glad we're doing this, uh, and they're going to take advantage of it. Again, Sullivan County Communications Director Dan Hoos talking to us yesterday, giving us that report on early voting. According to the Sullivan County Board of Elections, 3,000 people Voted early in Sullivan County for a midterm election. We are hearing reports through the day. You just heard them on air that uh, the turnout is up. It's anecdotal uh, reporting at this point, but it is reporting nonetheless. For more reporting on things how things are going out there on this election day, we turn now to Liam Mayo from the River Reporter. Liam, welcome back to the program. Hi, thanks for having me back. So were you out at any of the polls today in person? Yeah, I went to five of the polls in the western end of the county, um, Bethel, Keshecton, Delaware, Highland, and Tustin. Great. And all of those were pretty swamped. Um, poll workers everywhere said that there just had been massive, steady, consistent turnout since around 7 a.m. through, I visited them in like the mid-afternoon, so th- through then there had been pretty consistent turnout. That's great. So um, while you were out there, did you did you talk to any of the people who were about to vote or had voted? Did you get any uh, idea of why they're out there voting in such numbers today? I didn't necessarily talk to them directly. I, I mean, it's I think we've been hearing just as part of the mood of the nation that it's the economy, it's crime, it's abortion and sort of the fate of our democracy. Uh, that are sort of rummaging around in people's minds with the different parties focusing on maybe on one or the other. But I'd imagine those same things are bringing people out to the polls in Sullivan. What were you looking for as a reporter that that you've gone to five different polling places? You're going to have to be writing about this for the River Reporter. What, What stories were you looking for today? What answers were you looking for? I was mainly just looking to see if the process was going smoothly. Um, and for the most part, it was lines were pretty long at a couple of the polling places between like half an hour to 45 minutes to a little longer than that. Um, some, a detail I've noticed and need to look into more was, uh, something in the process has changed a little bit. Uh, before 
according to the poll workers in Highland, they printed off like booklets of ballots uh, and to just have ready for the polls. But they would always end up with like extra ballots at the end of the night. So what they're doing instead is they're printing off a ballot as each voter gets to the voting booth. So um, the people in Highland said it wasn't really slowing the process down. Um, it's possible that for some of the other polling sites where there was more of a line that that could be slowing the process down, but I didn't necessarily see that. And we'll have to kind of look at it more. Were, were the other polling places doing the same, printing it off like that? Sorry. Um, the other polling places, like you said, one one had to change to start printing off the ballots uh, as yes, each voter comes. Is that That's how the others are doing it too, right? Yeah, that was all of the polling sites um, that I visited. I just okay. only got the chance to ask the people in Highland about how it was affecting them. Oh, okay. And that's that's how they've been doing it in recent years at, at my polling place, too. So that's that, that seems to be the way that it's done, of course. Right. I only ever go to one polling place. So, <laughs> you know, right. that's why it's good to ask a reporter. You know what? Like uh, another thing that I noticed at my polling place, it it's over in White Sulphur Springs, that it was the first time in years that they were selling clam chowder. This used to be mm. an election day tradition in White Sulphur uh, that they'd be selling clam chowder. There's a little bake sale there. The the polling place is in the, the fire hall for the White Sulphur Springs fire departments that are selling baked goods. Did you see any of those types of election day activities at the polling places you went to, Liam? Yeah, I saw that a little bit. Um, I believe, I think it's the Calicoon Kiwanis that had stuff set up in the Delaware Youth Center that was the town of Delaware's polling place. Um, there was a raffle going on at the doors of uh, the Keshecton polling site uh, to benefit, I believe, the Presbyterian Church. Um, and in Bethel, they were selling uh, Krispy Kreme donuts, which... I believe they've been doing that consistently, but this is the first time I've seen the other two events. So it is nice to see some of that stuff come back maybe as the pandemic starts to wind down. Right, right. And especially, uh, again, people are very excited about this election and, and people are taking it very serious. There's serious uh, issues motivating them to the polls. So it's good to see a little bit of fun and normalcy out there, too, especially in you know small town, rural Sullivan County area. And uh, Liam, you cover uh, Tustin, the town of Tustin, and they have something else on the ballot besides the Environmental Bond Act. Uh, They have something about marijuana, uh, about cannabis. What can you tell us about that? Yeah. um, So in 2021, when towns were deciding on cannabis, town boards got to pass a law deciding whether or not to ban cannabis retail dispensaries and um, on-site consumption facilities in their towns. And the Tustin Town Board voted to ban those dispensaries. But the town supervisor who cast the deciding vote did so because there's was a clause in there allowing for a public referendum on the issue if they voted to ban them. So that's what this is. The It's pretty much a year after it was originally decided, but... This referendum is asking, should those local laws stand? Should cannabis remain banned in the town of Tustin, um, in, in, in the retail and on-site consumption uh, facilities? 
Um, so I'm, I'm going to be definitely going to be watching that one pretty closely as the results come in. Right. Now, this and, one, well, I just want to add, like, and just we talked about this issue back when they had that earlier initial vote on the local edition, Liam, and I think it's very interesting that both of these ballot provisions are phrased in the negative. Um, just one of those elements that was all adding confusion, even as you reported on this earlier. But it, like the wording is, "Shall commercial on-site cannabis consumption facilities be prohibited?" You know, it's saying, "Will they be allowed?" They're saying, "Shall they be prohibited?" But I just wanted to point that out for listeners that they're both. Both measures are still uh, phrased that way. Yeah, if they're asking uh, the ballot um, caster to approve or deny the law rather than approve or deny cannabis. And because the law bans cannabis, it creates this weird double negative um, situation that has kind of plagued the uh, discussions about uh, cannabis statewide since that was getting legalized. Right, right. Now, let's turn our eye to the Assembly 100th District, something you've been covering. You were at the debate that was held recently. Aileen is a longstanding Assembly member, was uh, first elected in 2003 in a special election to fill the vacancy halls by the death of her husband. Uh, she has run uncontested in 2004, 6, 8, and 10 in general elections. And she's facing a relative newcomer, uh, Lisa LeBlue. Uh, she's a former s- small business owner and currently assistant vice president at a bank. Um, what can you tell us about this election that you have been covering? I know both have been out in the public for uh, for almost every event. I just recently saw both of them at the Woodburn Veterans Memorial uh, Veterans Day Parade. Uh, they're out, both out there campaigning. Do you think this is going to be sort of a tight race? Um, I haven't heard enough about the public mood to tell whether it's going to be a tight race or not. But um, I think the contrast between the two candidates is, fairly stark. Um, From the debate, what I took away from that was uh, Assemblywoman Gunther was running on her record. She was running on the good she has already done for Sullivan County and was running to sort of continue the work that she has been doing. Um, Whereas LeBou was running as a voice for those who maybe haven't felt represented by Gunther or for those in Sullivan County who wanted more of a voice in government. So it is sort of the establishment versus the anti-establishment if we're going to sort of create a polarization where there might not be as stark a one. But um, it'll be interesting to see which of the two ends up winning out. Uh, Do people trust Gunther's record more, or do they feel like it is time for a change in that assembly seat? Right, so like I said it's uh, it's like I said there are two different different types of candidates, so it's waiting to see. And uh, like I said, um, uh, both have support here in Sullivan County, so it's uh, sort of uh, interesting seeing how this will play out um, uh, later on tonight. Yeah, and um, it was interesting for me. Um, Gunther was at the recent campaign event with uh, President Bill Clinton that Jason and I were both at, and she sort of prefaced her remarks with a very heartfelt um, like thanks to the people of Sullivan County for allowing her to serve in that role. And to me, sort of thinking about how that'll play if she loses or if she wins, um, if she wins, it'll sort of be that call back to her record. But if it loses, it's almost like a thank you for allowing me to serve in this role for so long. It's almost like a goodbye statement. So um, I think 
yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, definitely. All right. Liam, do you, is there anything else that you want to go over about the election before we say goodbye? Um, not necessarily. Just um, if you're out there and haven't voted yet, please do. It is very, very important to make your voice heard. Definitely, okay. definitely. And Liam, if you are around later on tonight, we'd love to check in with you later on to see if uh, any results have come in that uh, you could comment on. Absolutely. Oh, awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Liam Mayo from The River Reporter. And oh, wait, Liam, are you still there? Yes, I'm still there. Are you going to be on tomorrow for our regular uh, weekly news roundup? Absolutely. Well, and go. I imagine we'll be talking about the election then, too. <laughs> we absolutely will. Yes. Okay. So uh, we'll all be watching for results tonight. And if you don't hear Liam later tonight, you'll definitely hear him tomorrow on the local edition. Liam Mayo, River Reporter. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. Good luck. Okay, this is Local Edition. This is special election coverage here on the Local Edition, live and local. Coming up, we're going to take a break and get the latest news from NPR. One hour now, one hour until uh, polls close in Pennsylvania and polls in New York close at 9 p.m. And coming up right now at 7 o'clock, polls are closing in Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, South Carolina, Virginia, Vermont, Key races that we're keeping an eye on in the country. In Georgia, the race between Senator Raphael Warnock and his Republican challenger, Herschel Walker, that could determine which party controls the Senate. It will require a December 6th runoff if neither candidate receives more than 50% of the vote. We're also watching the race between Governor Brian Kemp and his Democratic challenger, Stacey Abrams, in Georgia. Florida has closely watched races for Senate and Governor, too. And in Virginia, the performance of Democratic incumbents in the 2nd, 7th, and 10th districts may offer early indications of whether the party has a chance of maintaining its House majority or of just how bad its losses may be. And coming up... On our local coverage, we will check in on races in Ulster County with Chris Rowley of the Shawangunk Journal and Hudson Valley races with Philip Pantuso from the Times Union. That's all still to come right here on Radio Catskill, special election edition of the local edition. We have another hour programming coming right up. This is Radio Catskill.